interesting because all across the world there's different expressions and different faces of church. And if, if you've grown up around church, um, you've probably seen a bunch of different faces. If I, am I right in that? There's a lot of different expressions and a, you know, a lot of different things. And you know, one of the things that I've come to in my life is saying, Jesus, wherever I go and I meet pastors, um, you know, I, I recognize that we do church a little differently than they do, and they do it differently than, than we do. And I come to them and I say, you know, my, my goal in knowing you is to simply find Jesus in you. I'm not here to judge you and to judge how you do things and how you worship and how you pray and how you speak and how you do evangelism and how you do the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how you do... My sole thing I want to do is to connect with Jesus in you. I want to find Jesus. And it's interesting when we do that because when you give yourself to finding Jesus even in people, it knocks down walls between you and others. And as we come into this place here, I feel like a lot of times that because it's church, we are professional church goers, and so we're really good at judging. And we're really good at, at, at deciphering what's from the Lord and what's not. And we leave and we go to lunch. We spend a really long time talking about the message or talking about worship or the sound and all this kind of stuff. And, and what always scares me in that moment is you never leave telling me how you found Jesus in the moment. That's my challenge to us at Vintage. May we be different. May we be a people who come in and say, you know what? I don't really care that Steve wore another pink shirt to church, right? I, I wore it today because my wife told me I had to know it was Mother's Day. And, and, but I don't, I don't want to, you know, I, I hope that you leave from now on saying, I don't really care what happened and don't care about lights and I don't care about stuff. What I care about is simply that I came in and was able to find Jesus. And I want to encourage you to become, to make it a profession. It is, what is your calling in life? Well, my, my calling in life is simply to find Jesus wherever I go and to search him out. And I don't care about all this other stuff going on, right? I don't care that my butt hurts because the seat's too hard. I don't really care that it's even too cold in there. I wish it was warmer, but I found Jesus. And I will tell you this, it will make your experience of those of you who are looking for churches, it will make your life a whole lot easier simply to connect somewhere and find Jesus in the place where you are. And as you do that, you know what happens? All of a sudden, you just experience peace because the fruit of Jesus' presence is love, joy, and peace. And as you give yourself to finding that, as we come in the moments like we just had, of simply saying, I'm laying down everything, my judgment, my judgment, and my whatever, my frustrations, God, I just want to find you. And I feel like at Vintage we do a good job of that. I'm not, I don't know why I'm telling you that other than I just sense the Lord speaking that in the moment, that we want to be a people who are getting really good at finding the presence of Jesus. And uh, so give yourself as that, as a profession for you, for your life. All right? All right? All right. Very good. Thank you, Becky. All right. Now, I've got really bad news for you all uh, this morning. <clears throat> bad news is simply this. I always run through my messages in advance. Like a couple of days before, I literally run through from beginning to end because I want to familiarize myself with it. So I just, and whenever, I, it's always good because I know when it's going to be good because Jesus will show up in my room, right? It's so funny. So I literally, I'll go through it and I'll go like, golly, everybody needs to be in the bedroom because Jesus is here, Right? But yesterday, I don't think he was because I was running through it again, 
And, and Sarah, my little Sarah, she loves to come in when I run through my messages. And, and I think that she just wants to be with me, right? And so, so she'll come in and she'll sit there and she'll just watch me and she'll give me faces, right? And, and I even get really animated when I'm in the bedroom and she's like, Daddy, what are you doing, right? But yesterday she fell asleep. And so that is bad news for y'all. Because she was bored out of her mind, and so I'm hoping that it was just that she was really tired and not because it was that boring, but I can't promise anything. All right, so here's what we're going to do this morning. What, I want to, what we're going to do this morning, I'm going to kind of lay it out for you. And when you leave today, for those of you who hate messages, just listen to the first sentence, okay? Because when you, have you ever seen the Saturday Night Live skit where they have this thing where you can look like, it's a school of one-liners, Right. And you learn all these one liners about everything going on in the world so you can be cool at office parties. Right. And you go, hey, did you hear about Osama bin Laden getting killed? Right. It's the one liner. And they're like, oh, yeah. And so I think you're really cool because you know all the one liners. Well, here's the one liner for the morning. And it's simply this awakening to the supremacy of Christ, awakening to the supremacy of Christ. Okay, that's the one-liner. Write it down. Those of you who hate messages, you can go fall asleep, all right? So you're awakening yourself to the supremacy of Christ. You all know what that means, right? Christ means Jesus, right? We want to be awakened that he is supreme, that he is numero uno, that in all of life we are aware that he is supreme. He is sovereign, which means he's in charge. He's in control. Nothing happens without him knowing it, right? That he is supreme, okay? So there you go. That's your one-liner. Now, we're continuing on in our message of talking about the, uh, this breakthrough that Jesus wants to bring. We believe that God is in this moment of bringing breakthrough. Last week we talked about this idea of barriers, right? We began this message of talking about these barriers that we face in life. Remember we looked at the life of Thomas right after in, in, in John 20, right after the resurrection. We said that, that, we said that in the life of Thomas and in the life of Peter that barriers are real. Barriers are real. We talked about that Jesus has been resurrected, but that Thomas was still wrestling with doubt and unbelief, right? It was a barrier keeping the resurrection from fully being experienced in his life. And then we said Peter faces his own, his own uh, barrier of, of, of condemnation and of guilt. Remember, he denied Christ three times, even before Jesus was ever, was ever crucified, denied him. After he had just said, just hours before, hey, I will die for you, right? And Jesus said, actually, you're not really going to at all. You're going to deny me three times in a span of a, like five minutes. And he's like, no, no. He's like, trust me, I'm Jesus, right? And so he had this moment going on, and in that, there's this whole condemnation, guilt thing going on in the life of Peter. And so... When Peter experiences the resurrection of Christ and he experiences the joy and the peace, it's not a full, there's not a fullness to the resurrection because he's wrestling internally with guilt and condemnation of saying, do I really love him? Because if I did, would I have denied him? And he's wrestling. He's like, but I think I do, but do I really? And so there's this whole thing going on, which led number two, is that barriers literally must come down. Barriers in our life must come down. Barriers to our relationship with Jesus and this fullness of Shekinah glory like we sung about this morning. This, there, these barriers need to come down that hinder us 
from experiencing the fullness of Jesus' resurrection, going from death to a fullness of life. So barriers then, they must come down. And we talked about this, this reality about Jesus invested into the, the life of Peter and, the, and in the life of Thomas to help bring these barriers down because he loved them and he had a calling on their life. And the third thing we said is this, barriers in our lives, they equal God moments. Not that God put the barrier there, but that God in that moment, it's a moment when He gets to move. Barriers in our lives that we can't move equal moments where God intervenes. Remember that story I told you last week about my evil next-door neighbor, Ashley? Remember, she was seven and she almost killed me. Literally, she tried to drown me. Remember I told you the story? There was a, she was, this is important for the day because I just want to tell the story again. But, but there she is. She wants to take my red raft. And she comes down and she's we're wrestling. And she pushes me over. And she, she jumps on top of the raft, which is now on top of me. And I'm literally drowning. Remember? And I'm sitting there. On, it's on Lake Lanier. And I'm sitting there in the sand. And I'm kicking and I can't move. And she's just peering through the, the see-through red raft, looking at me drown, right? And I'm in a moment, right? I need something or someone to intervene. And I told you where the angel swept down. I'm just kidding. It was my mom who was an angel to me, right? My mom. Celebrate mom today, right? She swept, she was swept in there. She took the little girl, threw her off far, far away and picked me up and saved me and brought me to life, right? There was a barrier in my way. It was a red raft with an evil demon-possessed girl on top of it, right? And God, my mom was sent by God to intervene on my behalf and release me. Now, that was a moment of mom intervention. We say these types of barriers, these barriers in our lives that literally are things that we can't move that we can't get rid of, like these moments of guilt and condemnation for Peter. He's just wrestling. Those moments when we wrestle in our minds, we wrestle in our hearts, those moments of great tension where it's like, oh, what's going on? In these moments when we can't bring breakthrough, these are moments when God moves and He brings intervention and He breaks down the barriers and He brings breakthrough. So barriers equal God moments in our life. So what we're going to do this morning is we want to tag on to part three, this, uh, this uh, number three here, barriers even God moments. And we want to dive into the reality of that this morning and what that means for us. As we remember, focus on the supremacy of Christ. Okay. Now, by nature as human beings, we are very, very resourceful, aren't we? There are many, many things that we can do in life. And, and I love in Genesis chapter 11, it's the story of the Tower of Babel. It, it, there's this picture of God basically looking down and calling us very resourceful. He says this, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this. Remember, they're building this tower all the way up to heaven, right? If they can do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Basically, what he's saying is, I have designed and created human beings with an unbelievable capacity to create and to fix and to do amazing things because of the way that I've made them, I've shaped them, and that I have empowered them, right? We as human beings by nature are very resourceful. And so when barriers come in our life, what do we do? 
Well, we get resourceful. We, we use these minds that God has given us to try to fix things and try to move things and try to finagle things, right? We, and we use our charm to, to get into places so that we can get whatever we need to bring breakthrough. And in our, in our areas of work, many of us are celebrated for our resourcefulness as we take something that was hopeless and because of our wisdom and because of our knowledge and because of our gifts, we all of a sudden make breakthrough happen, whatever it may be. And so by nature, you have to recognize that God has made us pretty dynamic and pretty special in life, that we in our own abilities can do a lot of things in our lives. We can make things happen, and we can do it because God has enabled us. He's enabled us to to plan and to work hard to get results in life, which means by nature we naturally try to tear down all of our walls by ourselves in our own strength because we're pretty good at doing that normally. But what we're talking about are these moments of where God has to intervene because we're, we're just trying with all of our might to get this barrier off of us. And we find ourselves beating against the red raft, just hoping that we can break through, but not doing it. And in that moment, what happens is we're desperately in need of God. We're desperately in need of a God moment, of God moving, of God's power coming and intervening in our lives and taking the red raft and the evil little girl and throwing her off or whatever it may be in our lives. Because when I say that, it's a funny story, it's a funny analogy, but you all can think of what that looks like in your life. Naming something, whether it's insecurity or fear or worry or anxiety or whatever it may be. We can all name these things. So this morning, what I want to say is this. There are barriers you can't break down. God wants to intervene. And we need to have an awakening now to the supremacy of Christ in every facet of every day of our life. If we're going to begin to move into the barrier breaking down, these breakthrough of the barriers that are in our lives. So moving towards the supremacy of Christ. where We take our eyes off of our abilities and we focus them on the possibilities of Jesus. So, with that, have your Bibles turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read the entire chapter of Ephesians 2. I, I may need water after this. I don't really know because it's a fairly long passage, but I want to read the whole thing to you because what I believe that Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, Paul gets it a lot. I mean, listen, it is chock full. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's like, it's just so full of so much theology and so much understanding of who Jesus is. And there's no way this morning I could even attempt to unpack it all. But what I want to do is I want to focus this ultimate in the heart of what I believe that Paul is getting at. Is he's focusing on the supremacy of Christ to bring breakthrough to every barrier in our lives. Now, I believe here what he's getting at is this understanding of who, he, of who Jesus is in our lives of bringing breakthrough. So with that, let's read in chapter 2 where it says this, starting in verse 1 all the way to verse 22. 
it says, as, I'm reading from the New International Version, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions or sins. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision that done in the body by the hands of men. We're talking about Jews. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. So the Gentiles were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with his commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself, listen, one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, that is a lot of stuff. Right? You probably got lost. You probably got stuck on one verse. You wanted to land on it. Like, oh my gosh, what does that really mean? And then you kind of got lost and you caught up. And like, I have no idea where we are, right? Fantastic. That's awesome. Now, so... What I want us to do now is I simply want us to begin to tear, just break down some of these things about Paul and what we're talking about here in Ephesians. Now, what we're looking at here in Ephesians is you've got the church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus is made up of two types of people. You had the Gentiles and you had the Jews, okay? And they really, 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 they just don't get along. They're, they're, they're unbelievably different, cultural differences 
they just have differences in their worship and in their expression of life and a completely different view of how they view the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the law and all of its regulations. For the, for the Jews, it was, it was the, the focus of everything that they believed. And the Gentiles like, we don't, even, we, don't, we don't even know what it is, right? The only thing that's important to us is Jesus and the cross of Christ and us knowing him. And so there's all these great struggles going on. And so in the church at Ephesus, there's this great tension. You have two people from two different walks of life, supposedly trying to come together as one. And so Paul, he's speaking a message here of unity. He's trying to come to them and say, listen, you must be unified. It's important. I know you're different and I know all of your differences and I know everything going on, right? I am a Jew and I've spent just hours and hours with the Gentiles, which is every single person who's not a Jew. And I recognize there's this great tension, but I'm telling you it's important that you must you must, you must embrace unity. That's the heart. And so what he's getting at here is this. There needs to be a, there's a barrier right now. The barrier is this tension between you because y'all are so different. There is a barrier, but there must be breakthrough in your life. And what he wants to come and tell them is this. The only way the barrier can come down is not by you becoming a lover of Jews, but by becoming a lover of Jesus and recognizing his supremacy in your life and in the life of the Jews and all the other Gentiles and the supremacy of Christ in the church. So what we see is this. Paul begins here in Ephesians 1 by reminding them of who they are and where they come from, who they are and where they come from. So he reminds them, number one, of their spiritual breakthrough. He basically tells them about the moment of their spiritual birth, right? The spiritual breakthrough that happened in life. We see it in the first three verses. This is a reminder that every single one of them were dead apart from Jesus. He said in verse one, pretty clear, as for you, pre-Jesus, you were dead. In your sin, right? You were dead. You, you were completely living for the world, right? You were gratifying the desires of your sinful nature and you were following its desires, right? You were an object of wrath. Basically, I mean, you were living a life opposed to God. And so what he does, he just begins by talking about the spiritual breakthrough that happened. saying, listen, you used to be dead. He's reminding them of their roots. He's reminding them of where they came from. He's reminding them of their origin. Reminding their origin, right? Paul is reminding us to keep them humble in the moment. He basically is looking and say, listen, remember where you came from. And then in verse 4 and 5 he says, But because of Jesus' great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when you were dead in transgressions or dead in sins, it is by grace. It is God's working in your life, nothing that you've done. It's by grace that you have been saved. So what you see is Paul is reminding them there was a spiritual barrier in their life that was keeping them from God. They couldn't, they were sitting there trying to push it off, right? Looking through saying, I, I just can't get through the barrier. And he says, but because of God's love, he came and he moved. It's by grace that you have been saved. And basically saying, looking at it saying, you had a barrier, you couldn't remove it, but guess what? Because of Jesus' love for you, his supremacy in his love, he broke down the barrier. And then in verse 9, he goes on to tell us specifically, it is because of the work of God, not human effort, that anyone can have the barrier removed between God and man. 
So we see this massive barrier in the supremacy of Christ in removing it. But then Paul also reminds them of the nature of the breakthrough. It says God raised them up with Christ and that he seated them in the heavenlies in order that he could pour out incomparable riches, incomparable riches of his grace. So Jesus didn't just save them, but he's now pouring himself out. He's pouring out his blessings. He's pouring out his riches. He's pouring out his gifts into their life. Why is this important? Because, again, he's pointing to the supremacy of Christ. And he's saying, listen, you by nature now, you were separated. God brought you in. And when he came, he brought all of, listen, he brought all of these gifts into your life, this just incomparable riches of his grace that he flooded into your life, these gifts and, and the fruit of the Spirit and all of these amazing things. But you have to recognize that everything now that you look at and that you celebrate about yourself, even your ability to bring breakthrough in life was something given to you. It should point you, rather than pointing to yourself, it should point to to the supremacy of Christ in your life. You're nothing apart from what he did in your life. And so live your lives as such that even the barrier came down because of Jesus, and even now the gifts that came after the barrier went down in your life point to the supremacy of what Christ did in you. It's not your work. It's not your work. Therefore, the nature of their breakthrough, breakthrough teaches an important lesson. We may grow and mature in life, but, but, but we must always, every day, remember that we are where we are because of the work of Jesus in our lives. And every day we must become celebratory and focused on the supremacy of what Christ did, what he's doing today, and that only he can bring breakthrough for tomorrow. I love this from Charles Spurgeon. He said this. He said, I could wish that every time the clock struck, it said, By grace are you saved. I could wish that there were a trumpet ringing out at daybreak, both on sea and on land, over the whole round globe, the words, By grace are you saved. What he's getting at is this, and the idea is simple. If we could live every day in the humble reality of every moment, of every day that it was the work of God that brought our spiritual breakthrough in life, then we would stop striving and working so hard and worrying so much about breakthrough in our world and in our lives and recognize it's only possible because of the grace of Jesus every day of my life. When we get to those moments where we're pushing, pushing, pushing and breakthrough can't come, instead of getting frustrated and living worried and anxious about breakthrough, it would simply point us to say, hey, I remember where I came from. I remember what you did and I remember who you are. And because of who you are today, because of who you are today, it's because of who I am today, not because of what I've done in my own strength. Every day waking up saying, by grace am I saved, by grace, by his moving in me, is there a breakthrough, the supremacy of Christ in our hearts and bringing us to that place. The second thing we see is this. He's reminding them of their physical breakthrough. Their physical breakthrough. In verse 11 through 12, Paul reminds the Gentiles of what life looked like uh, before, before, before Jesus came. He says, Therefore, remember that you were formerly Gentiles. You were separated from God, right? He says, Remember in verse 12 that at one time you were separate from Christ. Separate from Christ, 
excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise from God. Completely separated. <coughs> Excuse me. Completely separated. And even in, the, in this physical separation, you found it in the temple. I meant to have a picture today, but I forgot to, I couldn't find it. That you had, I need some water, somebody, if you can get it for me, please. I'm dying here. Ooh. There you go, Brad Hansen's got it. Thank you, Becky. Now, <clears throat> so in this moment, of the, in, in, this, in reality of the temple, you have basically a small circle, in, excuse me, a small square in the middle. Representing the temple, the holy place, the place where God's presence dwell, right? If you, you can read through, if you've seen pictures, it's just this temple formation, right? And you have this, this place, this inner circle, that rep- excuse me, inner uh, square that represent, or a rectangle that represented the presence of God, the place where the priest could go. Then you had an outer uh, rectangle, which was the place where all the Jews could come and all this special stuff going on. And then in this picture, you had this very, very thick wall. And it talked about the court of the Gentiles, all right? The court of the Gentiles. This was the place then in the temple where the Gentiles would come. And it was very disconnected and very distant and far removed from the actual presence of God. It represented a saying, listen, you're not able to come in. And it's really interesting, literally all the way around uh, this wall, this really thick barrier, what you found were these uh, different plaques, they had this inscription on it. And the inscription, uh, the inscription, thank you, brother. Their inscription said this. Let no one of any other nation come within the fence and barrier around the holy place. Whoever is caught doing so will himself or herself be responsible for the fact that his death will ensue. That gives you warm fuzzies about the presence of God, doesn't it? Hey, if you come too close, guess what? You're going to die. Either he'll kill you or we'll kill you. Fantastic, right? I mean, that just, talk about a literal separation there. I mean, this is, this is brutal, right? So, you have this thing going on. There's this physical separation. So, Paul is here. He's reminding them. So he says in verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus... You who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. He has made the two one, Jew and Gentile, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. The supremacy of Christ. He points to it. The supremacy of Christ that Jesus brought the breakthrough. He broke down the barrier. And verse 19 sums up the result by saying this. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. So Paul's reminding them of the, their origin. You were in sin, separated, but God moved. He made a way for you because he loved you. And then you were living in hostility with the people of God, but by His blood, He made a way for you. And you now are able to be one and to live in unity here in the church in Ephesus. You must now do this, but you can only have it happen by focusing on the supremacy of Christ, living every day as the clock strikes, looking and saying it's the supremacy of Christ. It's by grace that I have been saved. It's His work in me. It's what He has done. And so He's basically coming in the point here and He's saying to them, listen, I'm speaking a message of unity to you, but let me tell you what. 
if you try to break down this barrier in your own strength, in, in your own power, it will never work. You have to take all of your attention and all of your focus and stop looking inward to bring your own breakthrough. But you must now remember where you came from, what he did, what he's doing today. And remember, only way there can be breakthrough today is through the supremacy of Christ and you focusing on him and letting him intervene in your moments. And the message would be then true for us today. In the message here of Ephesians 2, barriers come down and breakthrough happens. Listen, as we become a people who give all of our time and energies to the affection of knowing the supremacy of Christ and knowing Him every day, because let me tell you something, you are only where you are today because of the work of Jesus in your life and nothing of your own strength. And God love our mothers on Mother's Day, and yes, they helped us, but ultimately it was Jesus through them bringing us to where you are today. It's the supremacy of Christ that we have to focus on. And so as we live in this season of talking about barriers coming down and breakthrough happening in life, we have to recognize that Ephesians 2 tells us, Paul speaking the words to us, you can't do it. You have to focus on the supremacy of Christ in your life. And the third thing that we find is then present reality. The present reality that is spoken in Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm just going to read this to us. Ephesians chapter 3. Paul says in verse 1, so he comes on and talks about all this stuff. And he says, so for this reason of everything I've just spoken, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And then he presses pause. He says, all right, before I really get into that, and then he spends verse 2 through 13 defending himself. He says, well, defending himself and defending his apostleship, defending his authority, talking about his writing that he's doing and to remind them of his affection, right? So what we did in verse 1 of chapter 3 is press pause, okay? He said, for this reason, wait, 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 wait. Before I get into that, let me tell you something you need to know. So he pressed pause, gave this whole caveat a foundation he was standing on, and then he picks it back up in verse 14 with the same word. says, all right, all right, so I got that behind me. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray, this is his prayer for them, it's his prayer for us, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So here's, so before I dive into all this, out, here's your homework for the week. You, listen, when you go home this week, your job is to read through Ephesians chapter 3, I want you to read this part of 14 through 21. You can read through 21. And I want you to recognize this is the result 
of those who make Christ their supremacy and recognize that it's by his power that things happen, who look to him, who when they get to that moment of needing breakthrough and of barriers in their life, they go, supremacy of Christ, it's by grace I have been saved, it's by grace anything good has happened in my life. And he says, when that happens, all of a sudden what you find is this amazing thing happen, this reality that can be true for us, which is simply this, that as you lay the foundation of God speaking the fullness of his love into your life and having the knowledge that you can't attain in your own strength, but that simply it's it's that strength that can only be given by God. It's like this whole thing, right? It's this thing that Jesus is moving. And so those who focus their attention, their affection on him, look to him for breakthrough, who cry out, you are supreme. Then what he says, for those of you who do that, those of you in Ephesus who do that, who are crying out for it, then a type of love that only can come from Jesus, that makes you self-aware of God's love, makes you others aware of God's love, then that love can overwhelm you and unity can happen between people who hate one another. As we focus on the supremacy of Christ. Listen, back in 1904, whatever it is, or 1906, whenever the Azusa Street Revival happened in San Francisco, you had the, the, the San Francisco papers were writing because they were flabbergasted, unbelievably amazed because it said black and white come together as one holding hands in worship and giving themselves in praise to God. It was a miracle of these who lived separated and apart because of culture and because of laws and all this stuff came together because of the love of Jesus being poured out. What I'm saying to us this morning is this. This is the breakthrough and the barriers of your life that God wants to bring. How awesome would it be that you being rooted and established in love, that you would all of a sudden, that you would have power together with everyone else here to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know the love, right? To know a love that surpasses knowledge, meaning that only Jesus can get it, that you then, because of what he does in you, that he would, you would supernaturally, because of the supremacy of Christ and his gift of grace in your life, be filled to the measure of all the fullness of whom? The fullness of God. That, my friends, is something that we have yet to grab hold of. Because the fullness of God is pretty full. And it can only be expressed through the knowledge that Jesus gives. And that knowledge can only be expressed by those who stop trying to figure it out in their own strength and trying to work it out in their own power. But they look to Jesus and say, I have nothing apart from you. You are supreme. Flood in me. And I promise in those moments there will be breaking down of barriers and a breakthrough in your life that this reeks of Jesus and his presence in your life. It's in those moments when you sing about Shekinah glory come, 
that all of a sudden it's like this weighty presence that just smooths and changes every part of you. That would be a goal that we're going after here at Vintage. Jesus, we want this, this glory. That we're so abandoned to you, even on Sunday mornings, that the fullness of your presence and this knowledge is released here, God. That is what we're longing for. That's the barriers that can come down as he brings his breakthrough. As we look and say, you are supreme. And so what I'd say to you this week, to end, simply this. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to do that, God. Help me do that. I know it's true. Make it a reality. And then read this from Ephesians chapter 3. And then pray for it. Not only in yourself but in every other person that you know. There's nothing more powerful than interceding, praying for others, saying, God, bring the reality of Ephesians chapter 3 into the life of our people. I love that Paul writes that here. And he says, what does it say? It says that all of us, that with all the saints, we'll grasp how wide. That's what we want to see. Let's pray. Father, we thank you.